0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Now, we've been talking about faith, and we're going off faith a little more, but um, several weeks ago, I, I, I began to look at some words in the Bible that really, really intrigued me. And the two words were doubt and unbelief. And many times in my life, I I had the thought that doubt and unbelief, they're they're like twins, They, they go together, they're the same. But when I begin to study the word doubt and unbelief, they are incredibly different. And so the reason I want to talk on this is because it began to locate me in areas of my life that, okay, this area I'm in doubt and this area I'm in unbelief, but it began to help me realize, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. So the word doubt in verb form means to stand in two ways, which implies uncertainty, which way to take it's through a distracted state of mind. And also it means to waver. Oftentimes when you see the word doubt mentioned, when Jesus mentioned doubt, he uses it in a phrase called little faith. Little faith, and it's over and over when I begin to see where he would address the disciples. You got little faith, it pertained to doubt. The next one unbelief is the rejection of God's will. In other words, when you see unbelief, the word of God has been presented to us, but the word unbelief is always rendered in disobedience. So one has to do with how much of the word of God I know or don't know through the area of of, uh, doubt. But when I get over into unbelief, I know what God's word says in this area, but for some reason I choose to disobey it. So we begin in in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then he, Jesus, went out from there and he came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not the sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They were offended at him. Now, that's a, another sermon there. But be careful. Don't allow fence to come after you, okay? They were offended at Jesus. Verse 4. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives in his own house. Now he, the Lord Jesus, he could not do mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Now it's always an interesting statement in verse 5 when it says he could do no mighty work. Now, there's a huge difference between couldn't and wouldn't. And so a lot of times we look at it and think he wouldn't do it. But in other words, he didn't say he wouldn't. It said he couldn't. So when I see the word couldn't, that tells me there's something that's coming against the Lord Jesus to keep him from being able to do what he wanted to do. Because in that same verse, if you notice, it said he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Just a few. But then he says he could not do what he desired to do. So his desire was to heal everybody, but he said he couldn't. Verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now remember we said unbelief is always rendered in disobedience. So when he said he marveled at their unbelief, then he went about the villages and teaching. So when I begin to look at that, he marveled at their unbelief. I go back and you think what we heard just started about On that day in the synagogue, he began to teach them the word of God. They heard the word of God that day. And then as it went on, it said they were offended at him, but yet he was able to heal a few sick folk. So in, in my mind, these people, they understood what Jesus wanted to do. But because of unbelief or disobedience, they wouldn't allow him to do it. Now it's interesting there. Turn with me to just for one verse to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6. And I know I'm, I'm digging right into the middle of a, of a passage here, but there's some words in this verse that I saw. Since therefore it, and the it here's a promise, it's a promise of God. Since therefore it or the promise remains that some must enter it, and to those whom it first was preached, they did not enter in because of disobedience. What this is talking about is the Israelites had a promise from God. Remember what God told them? He said, I want you to go to the land that flows with milk and honey. I want you to be blessed, and it specifically said here, to those whom whom it was first preached. That was the Israelites. They had a promise, but it said they did not enter into the promised land. Why? Because of disobedience. The King James Version, if you were to look at it, you know what it says? It doesn't say disobedience. It says unbelief. So again, when I know what the word of God says, but I choose not to act on it or obey it, it's unbelief. Now, I've been in that area of my life where I knew what the word of God said, but I just wouldn't obey it. And because they didn't obey it, it kept them from from entering in or walking in the inheritance, the blessing that God had for them. So in this passage here, there's a warning, I believe, to us. That when I get a hold of the Word of God, I have the choice. Do I obey it or I disobey it? Now, I want you to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And we're going to be in and out of Matthew the rest of the night. There is passage after passage that I begin to go back and forth the last few days and I begin to look at these things on what was said here. And so to deal with with doubt, I gotta get more of the word of God. You gotta get more of the word of God. You've heard me say this, feed your faith and it'll starve your doubts. But when it comes to unbelief, I've got to get to a place where I say, okay, I see what the word of God says and I'm going to step out and obey it. Now that's where, man, your faith will cause you to have great faith. It'll have to have you to be a person of, of courage to say, I'm going to believe the word of God. And I'm just going to give you an illustration of that. There were several years in my life when I'd gotten born again and I began to hear the teaching on tithing. I heard it. I knew what it said. But because of my unbelief, my disobedience, I wouldn't act on it, even though I knew what the word of God said. And so that's how many of us get in areas of our life where we got to look and say, okay, what does the word of God say? Now, am I going to obey it? We begin here in Matthew chapter 16, verse five, Matthew 16, verse five. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, take heed or pay attention and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, when he says the word leaven there, that word leaven can be referenced also as yeast, but Jesus wasn't talking about Physical bread, physical uh, yeast. That's what he wasn't, he wasn't insinuating that at all. The leaven he was talking about was the false doctrine that, that the Pharisees would teach. And what ultimately happened with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they rejected Jesus and they wouldn't believe in the supernatural. Even though Jesus had done stuff over and over and over. So we keep reading. And they reasoned among themselves. And they reasoned among themselves. How do you reason? Begin to think in your mind. You begin to ponder in your mind. You begin to meditate in your mind. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. And so they think Jesus is scolding them because they didn't bring any bread, but that wasn't Jesus's goal. Verse number eight. But Jesus being aware of it, he said to them, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. And so remember, I said earlier that when you would see that phrase, O ye of little faith, it had to do with the word of God. They didn't get enough of the word of God in them. But it's interesting that Jesus looked at these guys and said, oh, ye of little faith. Why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not understand and remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Now, if you go back to that passage right there, the five loaves and the 5,000, that was a miracle. Remember, they they brought Jesus all they had. They brought him those five loaves and the the little fish stick. Jesus blessed them. They gave them to Jesus. Jesus blessed them, and he gave them back. He multiplied and gave them a back. And he's telling them, remember that little miracle. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, nor the seven loaves or the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up. So he's reminding them again, and put your faith out there. Trust me when I'm telling you these things is what he's getting over to him. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven or the false doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine or the word of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So literally what he begins to tell them here is the cure... Was was their teaching was leading to to, to false doctrine, and he's saying the cure to their false doctrine is getting the word. Getting the word. Start finding out what the word of God says. You find out what the truth says, and then begin to live off of that. Because again in James, or not James, but in Matthew 4, 4, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in this passage here, he's talking about bread, but literally he's talking about the word of God. And he said, ye a little faith. And so to me, you know what he's saying? You get a hold of the bread of the word of God, it'll change your faith. And as long as you stay with the word, and so there's times you just get in the word, and you keep getting in the word, and you keep getting in the word, and it's kind of like turning a light bulb on. One day, you know what happens? It's going like, bing, and everything comes on, and you're like, man, I see that. I get it. Matthew chapter number 14. We go to another parable of Jesus. Matthew 14, begin with me in in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now that word made, it literally means he invited or he strongly encouraged them, okay? It wasn't like he got them in a headlock and threw them on the boat. But his disciples got into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, which is between three and 6 a.m., Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost and they cried out for fear. Every time I read that passage, I put myself in the boat. And so let's put you and me in the boat together tonight. Now, I believe right here they're on the Sea of Galilee, which is incredible. A month ago, I'd been on the Sea of Galilee. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, there are places for for them to go from side to side, it was huge. But let's just say tonight, we're out on the Sea of the Galilee and, and the winds start rocking and it's getting a little boisterous and it's, it's rocking and rolling in there. And all of a sudden, we look out beside the boat just like they were and, and they were troubled saying, it's a ghost and they cried out for fear. Now, let me ask you something right now. If we were all down at Lake Allen Henry on a boat and someone's come strolling up, walking on the water, what do you think we would do? I mean, oftentimes people say, man, I don't know why the disciples did that. I realized why they did that. I don't know, but I've never seen anybody walking on the water. So again, when I look at this, I think no wonder why they cried out. They freaked out like what is going on? And so it says they cried out with fear, for fear. And when they cried out for fear, it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them. And Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Now, I want you to look at something there in verse 27. The word be of good cheer means take courage. You know what I believe more and more? The more people learn to live by faith, it takes courage. Courage. It takes incredible courage. And then it says something very interesting. And do not be afraid. Now, who said that? Jesus did. They're freaking out on the boat. And Jesus said, take courage. Don't be afraid. Keep ready." And Peter answered and him said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, when I read this about Peter, I I believe all the disciples were probably on the boat, but it's interesting to me. He's the only one who stepped out by faith. He was the only one of them. And he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Verse 29. So the Lord Jesus said, come. Now, again, we put ourselves in the story. Lake Allen Henry's rocking. It's bad. And Jesus said, come, get out of the boat. Now, here's what I believe really happened. I believe when Peter is talking to Jesus, I believe he's making eye contact with him. And Jesus commanded him to come. And and, and Peter said, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come on. And so they're they're making eye contact back and forth. And and I believe Peter's looking at him. I I believe he's engaged. He's intent on looking at him. And when Jesus says, come, Peter right there has a choice to make. Do I obey what Jesus said or do I disobey Jesus? That's the same for us. But I go back, who's the one who said come? So when it's the Lord Jesus tells us something to do, he's not gonna set us up to fail. But it is gonna take a big step of faith to do what he tells us to do. So Jesus says, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So you know what you see right there? Peter acted on Jesus's word. When Jesus said, come, Peter said, you know what, I'm gonna obey it. And if you note the last part of verse 29, it said, he walked on the water. Peter walked on the water and it says to go to Jesus. So think about this is when Peter comes down out of the boat, Jesus said, come. And it says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So I still believe his eyes are on Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. He's walking toward Jesus. He's focused on Jesus. And I, I believe he's in Lord Jesus. You said, come, you said, come, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous. And so this is a circumstance. This is a storm of life that comes up. But if you'll notice, it said he saw the wind. So I believe this, instead of him keeping his eyes on Jesus and what Jesus said, the wind got him distracted. And when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, look what goes on next. He was afraid. Do you know fear is the opposite of faith? And so his circumstances were greater than his faith at that moment. And I want you to read into something here. It says specifically, but he was afraid. Now, if we had time, we'd go all the way back to verse 27. But in verse 27, remember what Jesus had already said to him Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So again, when I look at everything that Jesus tells him, he tells us the same things. He would already told him, you don't have to be afraid. And the reason I think this happens there with Jesus because he knows anytime we get over in fear, it's gonna choke our faith. And there's times in my life I said, Lord, you gotta help me. You gotta help me with this fear. And so he says, he became afraid. And he began to sink And when he began to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me, save me, save me, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand. Now, this is the second time that Jesus reached out to them immediately. It uses the word immediately uh, back in verse 27. And so every time they would cry out to Jesus, he would show up, he would show up. even in both situations when they were afraid, but also when he began to sink. Jesus is not going to let you sink. He's not going to let you go under. And so he goes on to say, immediately Jesus stretched out and caught him, and he said to him, O ye of little faith, a product of doubt. And so literally again, when he said, O ye of little faith, you know what I believe this happened off of was because Jesus had said to him, Come on. And doubt is always rendered in ways we don't want it. So again, it was in unbelief here or in in doubt. So he goes on to say, and immediately Jesus stretched in and caught him and said to him, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Now I can read this passage and I can read this passage. And I can look and I can say, what's wrong with Peter? Or I can get real serious with myself and say, that's me. I can tell you there's times over and over again where this has described me. And so it all comes back to this. I've, I've got to get in the word and i got to stay connected to the word. A great reference for that that will help you is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, to gird up your waist with the belt of truth. And I believe that when life starts trying to squeeze you and life seems like the winds are blowing and knocking you around, it's time to gird up your waist with that truth. It's, it's Ephesians 6, 14. It's part of our armor. And so literally in this situation, I, I believe if, if, if Peter in that situation would have just girded up and said, this is what the word of God said. But I can put Peter in there or I can put myself in there. Now, I like to say this story this way. When Jesus is uh, uh, out there in the water and all that's happened, and and he tells Peter, come on and walk on the water. I believe all the other disciples were probably sitting in there saying, Pete, you don't, people don't walk on the water. You're crazy. But I like to call Peter a wet water walker. I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat setter. You know what that means? At least he got out of the boat and you saw where it said he did walk, but he sunk. I would rather get out and put my faith out there where at least I'm trying to do something. Because when you sit in the boat, it's easier just to complain and bellyache and tell everybody else why why God won't do things. But man, when you start getting out of the boat and saying, all right, all right, I'm going to walk on the water with your help, Lord Jesus. Something begins to change. One last passage tonight, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew seventeen. So again, I begin to analyze of this in my life. Am I in doubt, or I just flat in unbelief, disobedience? Matthew seventeen, verse fourteen. And when they'd come to the multitudes, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord. Saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Here's an interesting statement right there. Notice they could not cure him. It didn't say they would not cure him, it says, They could not. Now, the reason that's significant, because again, a minute ago, when we read that one, the reason Jesus couldn't do anything, it said, was because of their unbelief. So in this situation, is the reason the disciples couldn't heal that kid was because of their unbelief, which again is rendered disobedience. And I believe it is because they had been around Jesus over and over. And Jesus had told them, boys, it's in my name. You lay hands on them in my name. And I'll operate through them. I've seen those same scriptures for years in my life. Mark 16, you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And so I've been there. I look at this. I I, I can tell you this. And many of you, there were the men of iron last week. This is where some of this was birthed because there was a man there who had some Stuffed with his legs. I don't know what it was. his legs were all jacked up in an ugly way. And I said, Father God, I believe you're the God of miracles. And there's sixteen hundred men there almost. What do you think would have happened if that guy's legs would have yanked up and he had took off running? I'm telling you that I tell you, that place would have come unglued. And I can't tell you this. I saw him straighten up a little. And then there's a young boy there, the, the young teenage boy who had a tumor. Man, he just, he just moved me. And I said, Father God, I, I believe you're the healer. But I said, where, where are we missing And What are we not doing? And the Lord said, well, number one, you're not me. And I said, I know that, Father God. I know I'm not you. But I said, Lord, I, I, I believe you're the healer. And it goes back, so many of us, we just walk in unbelief or disobedience so much or, or, or doubt. And I said, Lord, I ask you to strengthen my faith in these areas. Not for me to say, look, look, look what we're doing. But to say, look what God's done. And so in this situation here, I read this and I put myself in there. And I said, man, Lord, I'm just like these guys. They could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, now look at this. Oh, faithless and, and perverse generation. Several translations says, oh, faithless and unbelieving generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Now, when, when I see this right here, I, I don't believe Jesus was in, 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 a, a scolding them or discouraging them. I believe he was like, come on, fellas, you can do this. You, you got this. And at times, that's what I sense him saying to me. Just trust me. Just believe me. And Jesus rebuked the demon that came out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, oh my gosh, look at this. Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Your disobedience. And I believe when he said it is that you didn't trust that when you laid hands on in my name, you disobeyed. You wouldn't step out there by faith. And again, this is not a scolding session. This is to say, this is me to a T. I read these things. And so when I begin to read them, I say, Lord, you've got to help me. You've got to shore me up. And so, man, I start digging in the Word. And I start meditating on the things that Jesus did. And remember the Lord Jesus said this, the things that I do, you'll do also. You'll do also in his name. And so when I look at all this here, I see whether it's doubt or unbelief, they hinder us from walking in what God desires us to have. And so I believe if the Lord Jesus was here tonight, he would say, get in the work. Get in the word, feed your faith and starve your eyes. Get in the, word, in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word, eat my word. And then when he said, when you know the word, this is in the book of James chapter one, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And I got to step out and i be, got to begin to obey what the word of God says. And so this was, this was my homework assignment right here. Man, I've been diving back into the word and there's and I've been studying and saying, okay, Lord, I welcome your help. I welcome you to strengthen my faith. And I believe that's the same one with us. So again, when you go through this thing called life and and you sense doubt, that's wavering. That means you don't have enough of the word in you. Get in the word. Get in the word and God will get in you. But when I get in that area of unbelief, it's because I've, I've known what to do. I've just flat out disobeyed him. And so this should help us in the area of faith to say, this is where I'm at. So, this is a great locator right here. <laughs> it located me in two areas. So, I encourage you to start getting in the Word. Yeah. And then ask God, say, Father God, grace me to obey you. Grace me to obey you quickly and cry. Grace me to obey you, what, Father God? Now, think about it in this sense as a parent. It's a wonderful thing when you give your children assignments. And they do it when you don't even have to ask them to do it. Woo, oh, happy day, oh, happy day. Little Johnny made his bed today, and we didn't even have to tell him. But it's a different story when we got to go in there and thump him on his little melon and say, I told you to make the bed. And he does it because you made him it. And so I look like, it's like kind of Father God. Oh, Father God looks and says, look at him, look at him. It's just obeying my word. He's stepping out and obeying my word. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebbic.com.